Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Coming up. Everyone wanted to find that child, and investigators were determined to find the child, but just could not. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. More than 600,000 people go missing every year in the United States, according to the National Missing and Unidentified Persons Database. That's the last hug I got from him, the last kiss I got from him. Mr. Alper, I don't tell you this, but your daughter's been missing for 21 days. For nearly 21 years, the disappearance of Nicholas Plaza has come with probability, but no conclusion. In July, local news station Ken's 5 in San Antonio ran a series drawing attention to the dozens of children and adults who remain missing in their area in hopes that someone in the community knows something that will help find them. Tonight, our coverage on the missing continues with our series called Unsolved San Antonio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. I'm here to tell you about Bolin Branch Sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. They're made from the rarest organic cotton and designed to get even softer over time. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee plus 15% off your first order with code ODYSSEY. So head to B-O-L-L and branch.com today. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Marvin Hurst is joining us from Ken's 5 in San Antonio. Last month, you and your colleagues at Ken's 5 worked on a big project covering unsolved cases in San Antonio. And I'm going to have you talk about a few of the cases that you looked into, but start by telling us about that bigger effort. How did that come together? So the overall project was for National Missing Children's Day on uh, May 23rd. And we started out maybe a month and a half And we reached out to local law enforcement, had meetings with them, talked about them uh, giving us their cases and connecting us to uh, some of the outstanding cases that they had. Uh, We were trying to reach different facts that had not been released previously, and uh, they were cooperative with us in uh, this large project. We put it together and it was all set to run. And then, the, of course, the tragedy happened uh, in Uvalde, which put the, the case, or our big project, I should say, on, on hold until uh, recently. In total, then, the project featured the stories of 27 missing individuals. I want to talk about three of the cases that you covered as part of this project those being the cases of Ava Grace Baldwin, Jordan Green, and Nicholas Plaza. Let's start with Ava Grace Baldwin. What's her story? So Ava Grace Baldwin has a really unusual story to me. Um, Her father is David Hopper. Uh, His former wife is Catherine Baldwin, who is Ava's mother. And uh, they were married for all of 34 days, according to David. And she left. They were living in Oklahoma at the time. 
And the next time he heard from her, Ava was in this world. She was born. He did not know, though, that she had left Oklahoma pregnant. So, you know, after DNA tests and all of that, uh, he got involved in her life because she was reaching out for financial support. And, you know, hence the custodial chase started happening. Um, At one point, uh, he just couldn't keep up with her. And so he took her to court, got some custody rights, and had two years, two years of good time with his daughter back and forth. Either he'd come to San Antonio or bring her to Oklahoma where she could meet the family. And then all of a sudden, a principal from one of the schools that his daughter was attending called and said, have you heard from your daughter because she's been missing from school for 21 days? That's when he called the local authorities here in San Antonio, and they went out to what was supposed to be the address that he had, the most current address for for Catherine, the mother, and Ava, the daughter. And it was an empty field, an empty field. So since that day, seven years ago, he's been looking for his daughter. She's been on billboards. uh, She's had coverage here and uh, still nothing, absolutely nothing, which is, is puzzling to us because you would think that in today's age, in 2022, Uh, that there would be some kind of digital footprint, thumbprint, something that would lead uh, the authorities to Ava Grace and and Catherine. And and so far, nothing. Catherine is listed as a fugitive in this case. Uh, Ava would be 13, I believe, at this point. Um, So in the meantime and in between time, you know, they mourn. They have not given up the uh, the hope, but they are truly sad in, in, in that sense of mourning that she is not there with them. Uh, they decorate tables for her birthday, and uh, there's a Facebook page that they even write little notes to her on, on a daily basis, hoping that you know someone connected to that group will reach out and say, hey, Ava, these are your parents, these are your people, they're looking for you, but so far, nothing. You also looked into the case of a young man named Jordan Green, whose mother shared his story with you. When did Jordan go missing? The very same year that Ava Grace Baldwin went missing. Ava went missing in September. Uh, Jordan Green went missing in November. Uh, So months apart from each other. Uh, Jordan was uh, the oldest child or is the oldest child of Jennifer Green. And he came to San Antonio in July to stay with relatives to work, uh, you know, a part time job. He had put in a year at college and, you know, was trying to figure things out in his life, as most young people do sometimes. And he's working at a bar. And then in November, he told his mother that, hey, you know, I, I think I want to come back home to Fort Worth. And so he saw her at the birthday party, he hugged her, he kissed her, said that I was going to come home after Thanksgiving, but but he never did. He disappeared and they haven't seen him since. Uh, since that time, they've gone out and, and looked for him in the homeless community. He was not homeless, I should point that out, but he did have an effort that he would go out and and give to the homeless and and, and help them out. So they thought maybe somebody in this community would see him. Uh, His face has been on on billboards and she's done press, but so far, nothing. And um, 
you know, everything in the cases I talked to Jennifer Green uh, points to the fact that, you know, he could not be with us. But she says until someone brings her son's body and lays it out uh, prostrate in the floor, uh, she's not going to ever give up hope that he's alive. And of course, prostrate is one of those Christian terms where a person has to be laying out in front of you, you know, face on the ground, feet stretched out. And so far that has not occurred. Uh, his birthday just recently passed. He would have been 30 years old or in, in her mind, he is 30 and she has not given up hope. Do you have any information on what the law enforcement investigation into Jordan Green's disappearance looks like today? Are there any active leads being investigated that we know of? Well, it, it, you know, there comes a point in the case, and we're, we're talking about seven years, there comes a point in the case where leads are just exhaustible. And that's why we do the stories that we do, like uh, for Unsolved SA, hoping that someone out there will, will finally let go a piece of information that could help law enforcement in this case. And at this point, uh, it's considered a cold case. He is still technically missing because that's all they can prove at this point. Um, there is no body. There's no anything other than a missing persons report. So that's where his case stands. That's where Ava Grace's case stands as well. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. The last case we'll talk about on this episode is another heartbreaking story. The disappearance of a young boy named Nicholas Plaza who went missing in the fall of 2021. Now, this case differs from the others that we've talked about. Why is that? Well, Nicholas's case is is um, is different in in the fact that the investigators do believe that he is dead, uh, but they just have not been able to recover a body. Uh, they had a ca- cadaver dog who picked up that picked up a light sent at the house where Nicholas was last seen, uh, but that was it. Marvin, take us through the circumstances surrounding Nicholas's disappearance. This case is, oh my gosh, it, it's heart-tugging, it's, it's sad, it's just 
it's unbelievable in so many ways. So Nicholas is a five-year-old boy who is his mother's only son. She got romantically involved with a high school acquaintance uh, in March, five months later in 2001, she moved in with him. And he basically took over the parental role as, as parent for, for Nicholas. Now, he is in the house with his parents at this time. They are not isolated alone, but investigators believe that he wielded such power over people, that he did the things that he did to Nicholas, which makes this case even more heartbreaking. At points, they believe that he was uh, sexually abusing Nicholas. Um, Nicholas was in pre-K. They uh, took him out of school. His hair was falling out. He had uh, gotten to the point where he was pale and weak. His his uh, legs were broken, or at least one of his legs were broken, they believe. Um, there was blood in his stool and his urine. He had just gone from a vibrant child to that state. So what Ruben Zavala, who is the convicted person in this case, uh, admitted to police in two letters that he wrote from prison, is that he is the murderer of Nicholas Plaza. He sent them out on digs and they started digging for Nicholas. He said, the clothes are here, the body's here, and um, they never found anything. What we do know at this point is that um, Nicholas was obviously sick, obviously in a, in a state of failed health, that he, he died in that house. Uh, Ruben Zavala says that he wrapped Nicholas's body up in um, some garbage bags, took him to a south side dumpster here in San Antonio, and that body went to the landfill. Well, investigators from previous cases knew that trying to find Nicholas's body out in that landfill field would be fruitless. So they never searched for his body out there. So that's where they believe Nicholas's body ended up, is in a landfill. His mother did cooperate with investigators and help put her boyfriend behind bars, but she is also serving time. He's serving 67 years. His mother's name is Priscilla Plaza. She's serving 18 years in prison and uh, she, uh, according to investigators and you know prosecutors, is just as guilty as he is because Nicholas went missing on October 23rd, 2001. His case was not reported until almost a month later. So her only child, her only son, where she lived in a house, she never said a word for almost a month. As you laid out, two people have been convicted in this case, but nobody's ever been tried on homicide charges. Talk about that. Well, the homicide indictment did initially come down on Ruben Zavala because they believed that he was the murderer. He ended up initially going to prison for kidnapping because, guess what? He was involved with a single mother who had a son. And he wanted to get back with that woman and met her at a restaurant and tried to, to kidnap her child, who did take the child, and said that, you know, he was going to, you know, shoot and kill the child. And she called the police and, of course, she got her son back. So while he was in prison for that, that's when they were able to get him for injury to a child by omission, which carries a similar penalty to murder. 
just about the same amount of years. So the murder charge, while viable, was going to be tougher to prove because the prosecutors did not have a body. What they could prove with Priscilla's testimony and Ruben's mother's testimony is that Nicholas was in such a state that his condition should have been reported to doctors and no one ever did. You spoke with one of the investigators who's worked this case in the past, George Sadler. And actually, this is the first time he's talked about the case in an interview. Take us through his experience investigating this case. Well, the case had gone through at least 40 investigators. Because we're talking about a a child who went missing in 2001. And there was just this huge frenzy in this community to try to find Nicholas Plaza. I mean, just to see his face, those, those beautiful eyes and his face framed with those big ears and his little smile. Everyone wanted to find that child. And investigators were determined to find the child, but just could not. He got the case in 2003. Three, I believe, and then a couple of years later, with the help of a psychologist, uh, he was able to um, talk the mother of Ruben Zavala and the mother of Nicholas Plaza, Priscilla and uh, Cecilia, I believe her name is, into testifying. That's where the break came in because he needed something new and. Uh, with 40 investigators, obviously, they had poured over the files. And um, I was talking to George Saylor, who is who is the investigator, retired San Antonio police officer now. And he said it was just like a, a moment in a movie, 3 a.m. in the morning, he just wakes up out of the bed and he's like, Dr. Kellogg, I need Dr. Kellogg's help. So he reached out to her and um, it was her suggestion that maybe, you know, we can make an emotional plea to this mother, and maybe she can help us. And she did. Help us understand where exactly does this case stand today? There have, of course, been convictions, but without a body, do investigators still consider this a missing persons case? Where exactly are things at today? So, yes, this is considered a missing persons case because there is no body. And until they find one, Nicholas will remain in a database as a missing persons case. And that's just the, the way it is with many cases like his. As we talked about at the beginning of this conversation, this overall project looked at 27 different cases. Our listeners can learn about all of those cases by visiting kens5.com and searching for Unsolved San Antonio. We'll have the link to the full project in our show notes as well. Marvin Hurst with Kens5 in San Antonio. Thank you for sharing these stories. Thank you so much, Reed, for having me. And thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. We're right here with a new one every day of the week, Monday through Friday. So make sure you're subscribed to or following The Daily Crime wherever it is you're listening right now. If you're looking for something else to listen to, you can check out Bolt Studio's newest podcast. It's called Intent, the Tex McIver case. That'll do for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You know that science solves crimes. Forensic science is exciting, challenging, and most of all, rewarding work. But there is a shortage of qualified individuals in this field. Hi, I'm Terry with Loyola University, Maryland's Forensic Science Department. 
Loyola is one of the only colleges in the country offering advanced degrees in forensic pattern analysis and biological forensics. Our courses, taught by forensic experts, feature hands-on training and small class sizes. They are based on real crime scene and forensic examiner training programs to ensure you are ready to make a difference. Our programs are open to students from a variety of academic backgrounds because we believe everyone can contribute to solving crimes. So what are you waiting for? Discover the excitement of forensic science at Loyola University, Maryland. Visit loyola.edu forward slash forensic for more information. That's loyola.edu forward slash forensic because you are ready to make a difference. Join one of Loyola University, Maryland's forensic science programs today.